Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Uh, good morning to you. Happy spring. It's snowing. <laughs> Again. I have fish in a pond back. I, I went out to talk to them yesterday. They were, seemed relatively happy yesterday because the sun had come out, and I, I warned them. I said, hey, guys, I want to go back into hibernation. Jeez, unbelievable. All right. So as soon as the show ended yesterday, I got a very un, unhappy email from one of you, little Tony, uh, telling me that uh, Bruno Sammartino had had died. And um, I just want to start by by acknowledging that loss because um, I feel it, uh, it, it largely in part that I had the I had the privilege to uh, be with Bruno a, a number of times and uh, to have a sense of him as a human being. And I, I all I can say is that um, the word gentleman uh, describes him. Um, I, I, when I was first told I was doing an interview with him, and I think this was shortly after I came to Pittsburgh, um, I knew the name, but I, I really didn't know. And then I, you know, did a little research, found out who he was, and I was very nervous because, you know, what am I going to say to some pro wrestler? And wow, <laughs> what a what a gentle, funny, charming man. Um, smart. Uh, we ended up talking about opera, and um, I don't know anything about opera. He sure as hell did, like a good Italian, I guess. Um, what a gentle man, a gentle giant of a man. And uh, Pittsburgh was uh, was very lucky to have him as such a, a passionate uh, Pittsburgher uh, to his dying day. Uh, I, I don't need to add any of the biographical stuff. I That same time that I first met him, he, of course... Uh, told me about his uh, childhood, which was horrific. Um, I, I think he he always felt uh, extraordinarily blessed to have survived it. He had f four siblings who did not. Um, he was the youngest of seven, and uh, this is during World War II, and he's in the mountains of uh, central Italy, a kid. Uh, the father, his father was in uh, Pittsburgh, already had come here for work, and that left his mother with all of these kids. And, um, I mean, he, he has had harrowing memories of it. Of, of people uh, starving to death, of his mother being shot. Um, and I, I'm sh I think uh, one of the local obits that I read acknowledged what anybody who met him and talked to him for any length of time knew, that his mother was to him um, a goddess. I, he just, he loved her so much. Um, and he's a classic story of, you know, coming here as an immigrant, as a young teenager who didn't speak English, uh, who was scrawny, you know, not even a 90-pound weakling, and then uh, joins at someone's uh, suggestion the Young Men's Hebrew uh, Association, the where Jews went because going to the Young Men's Christian Association, I guess, either was not allowed or... I don't know about that. Uh, maybe it wasn't. Um, so he went to the YMHA and started started building himself up. Anyway, I just want to say that he was just 
one of the sweetest guys. I, I, I guess what was so stunning about it is that it's not what you're expecting. And I have the, um, I have a great memory of uh, him putting me in a in a head hold, whatever that is, where you grabbing me around the neck because I had asked him, you know, come on though. I mean, a lot of what you did was was fake. <laughs> and he said, "Fake? I'll show you fake." And he <laughs> he got me in a in a hold and he was laughing and um he talked about it ain't fake when I have broken every bone in my body. I don't know how many times, blah, blah, blah. He also at that time told me of how disgusted he was by what uh, professional wrestling had become. He was very against it in so many ways. I, I understand there was a reconciliation later in his life, and he agreed to be put in their uh, Hall of Fame, but um, uh-uh. I saw that Vince McMahon tweeted something or certainly said something about one of the finest men I've ever known. Um, and I don't think he felt the same about Vince McMahon, Vince. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think so. Um, and my last memory of him was at a, a big tribute event for Chili Billy Cardill, who was a good, a dear friend of Bruno's. Um, and... Uh, I, w I sat next to, to Bruno. It was at Heinz Hall, and, and we sat together. And I was, um, I think that night I was most struck by how small he was. <laughs> um, I think I was wearing a little bit of a heel, and I was, I mean, we were the same height. And I was stunned by that, but, you know, age does uh, bring you down a little bit. And, um, and I guess he was never even six feet tall. So for a wrestler, he was a little guy, a little guy with a just, I just, I really liked this man, and he's uh, a good guy. We have a call. Hello, caller. Hello? Yeah, hi. Hello? 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 Hello, do you hear me? Hello? All right, sorry. I don't know why you're not hearing me. We, uh... Knocked you off. Okay. I just wanted to start with that. I don't know why he wouldn't hear me. Okay. I saw somebody, I think it was Ron Cook in the sports section in the Post-Gazette today saying that he thought that Bruno's funeral, which I guess is scheduled for Monday, would be bigger or as big as uh, Art Rooney's. I don't know. Do you think? Maybe. I don't. Who knows if it's even going to be? Uh, I was at Art Rooney's funeral. Maybe this is this guy calling back. Let's give it a shot. Hello, hello, caller. Hi, it's Tracy Baton. Oh, hi, Tracy. How you doing? Hi, I was. I'm doing really well. I'm a new grandmom. That's the best thing in the world. Well, that's wonderful. Wonderful. Congratulations. Um, but I was calling about that um, police memo thing. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I hadn't gotten to that yet, but yes, so a police memo, uh, uh, it turns out, sent uh, from the, I guess, commander to his uh, detectives saying, hey, guys, from now on, will you please bring your riot gear <laughs> uh, to work because you just don't know if Trump pardons uh, Mueller, uh, we we understand that there are thousands of people who are intending to take to the streets, and uh, we need to be prepared. Okay? Is that it, pretty much? And yes, and he refers to it as a spontaneous, and I think maybe <laughs> the word mob is in there. Oh, no, I don't think. interestingly, because we've no, had... No. Tracy, I don't think mob is in... Mob is not in there. I can't go back to my computer because I'll hear well, you, but he does not refer to the fact that we've had 100,000 people in the streets in Pittsburgh for peaceful demonstrations in 18 months with no problems whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I think, um, no, I, I, my, my sense is, is that he's saying, let me say, I, actually the Washington Post, I first read this in the Washington Post, and uh, they played the story mm -hmm. up, they played the story up bigger than the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, which I thought. Right, so did a number of, I was out of town people who called me. 
Yeah. In my bathroom. Yeah, it's today. a bigger it's a bigger alarm. Isn't that something? It's a bigger story nationwide than here in Pittsburgh, which just says something about what the Post Gazette has become, I think. Um, but no, I think it also though that in Pittsburgh we know what has actually happened here in Pittsburgh. Yeah. If you're outside of Pittsburgh, it seems alarming because maybe Pittsburgh is like Charlottesville or somewhere else. But here in Pittsburgh, we we know that we've not had you know we've had nothing but support from the police for First Amendment events. Yeah, I think my guess is that he was that he, he was really just trying to be ready in case there was a potential for, you know, it's because um, he acknowledges, here, I have the thing. He says, we have received information of a potential large-scale protest in the Central Business District. I mean, that's, right. that's a statement. Unfortunately, my understanding is that only information is a permit that I applied for at least five months ago. Okay. But also, so I called them, and he has no additional information. Okay. But I don't think, I mean, I mean you're concerned about and, I, and it's at the city county building, not in the Central Business District, and there's no other permit yeah. taken out. So here's what he says. Here's what he says. There's a belief that President Trump will soon move to fire Special Prosecutor Mueller. This would result in a large protest. He's All this is correct, right? <laughs> a, li- a large protest within yes. 24 hours. The protest would be semi-spontaneous, he says. And I think what he means by mm-hmm. that is that, of course, someone like me, who has not signed up on your website, because there, there have been thousands who have said, I'll be there, that, in fact, there will be, I'm sure, tens of thousands of people that will show up. So he says it would be semi-spontaneous and more than likely happen on short notice. And he says we may be right. need. I just want to say, Tracy, we may be needed to assist in the event that there is a large-scale protest. Um, right, and we think that's wonderful. They have been nothing but supportive. Well, and I think, yeah, I don't think there's... at large-scale protests yeah. is... People's health and safety. Like, right. that is what we're all about. But I see no, okay. Tracy, I see no reason that that is anything but what he should be doing. And I don't see a threat here to the protesters. No, I, what I see is the national press making people alarmed who are contacting me, concerned that they're about this riot, the riot here. Okay. And I really think it's national press about Pittsburgh who don't understand Pittsburgh. Yeah, that our police have been that that his intention is to be supportive of a First Amendment event and to be proactive, so they're ready. Right? Um, he right. says he, he has said he said you know we do this planning all the time for weather events for uh, any kind of event. This is because of an abundance of caution. Of caution, uh, which is what I said on the news last night. An abundance of caution. Yeah. Um, and people who from out of town who are circling back and alarming people in Pittsburgh should not be alarmed. Pittsburghers have been out, and their reality, their feet in the street should tell them that we have been gracious and helpful. In in a, I've heard wonderful stories of you know even small objects that were lost being returned. We've had no problem. Wow, wow. Yeah, no, I'm glad. I'm glad that you're saying, and, and you know, Bill Peduto was all over Twitter last night saying, hey, hey, this is an internal email from a commander to his plainclothes detectives. It doesn't claim to know what the president will do. It doesn't say people can't lawfully assemble. It says you may be needed to help, so bring your uniform. It's called being prepared. Um, right, and if I was going to send out the same memo, I would say you will be needed to help, so bring some water and <laughs> sign that you could be home making right now. But not riot some gear. good, solid shoes. Yeah. And we will and, yeah. and make a plan to be there. Call your friends. We will oh, need okay. them, too. Okay. Even the ones who said they're off Facebook and social media, call them. Um, so, yes, I agree. Me and the, the police, we agree. Get, it is time to get ready. Well, 
let's see. I mean, Trump, Trump just yesterday was saying, you know, that he has no. He had people been saying I was going to fire Mueller for the last three months. He's still there. I want him just to finish this up. So you know, with Trump, we all acknowledge who the hell knows. But I have right. I have no doubt, and uh, that all over this country. People will take to the streets, whether planned as whether they have somebody like you, Tracy, uh, around trying to set, you know, exactly what would happen, what we do, or if it, you know, in this case, it will not be totally spontaneous because you have already, like the chief of police, uh, tried to you're trying to anticipate the event. And, and prepare. And I think 200 cities, there are events signed up. Yes. If someone goes to no one is above the law, right. they can sign up and they'll get a text message. Right. Exactly right. Exactly right. Well, oh gosh. And, you know, I think if this happens, I mean, it's Tracy. Not something, I'm old, though. I remember Nixon. <laughs> so this seems more real to me. Yes, I remember Nixon, too. I was terrified. I thought there was going to be, uh, you know, he was going to overthrow the government. I, I, I was terrified. I have to tell you, though, that um, I, I have little doubt that you will see an outpouring of people, if this were to happen, that dwarfs what we saw for the Women's March. That's my guess. Well, that is, and I am trying to get people... You know, if we all know where we're going to go in a plan of action, I think. And the thing is that people can also call their Congress people today and tell them they're coming. Yes. And so like, that's one of the other utilities of signing up. Is don't just sign up, but call your Congress people right. and tell them that you are signed up because you want to stand with democracy and, and that this is unacceptable. And Tracy, just so people know, let us say, let us tell people what the plan is, that if Trump fires Mueller... Does this does this happen if he fires Rosenstein? He has to fire Mueller for it. Yes. He has to fire yes. Mueller. Yes. What? Yes for Rosenstein, or yes for Mueller? Yes for both. If Trump fires Rosenstein or Mueller, or Rosenstein okay. Okay. or Mueller, okay. we will Be go the to the city county building. If that firing happens before three p.m., right. we will be there at six p.m. that day. Gotcha. If it happens after 3 p.m., we will be there at noon the next day. Okay. That's that's planning. That's the plan. Okay? Um, that's the plan, and <laughs> um, yes, bring a bottle of water, and we'll see you there. Okay. Hey, Tracy, thank you. Thank you for, uh, for thank calling. Thank you I... very much, Lynn. And you know, if you want to speak that day, I will make room at the microphone for you. I have a sound system planned, and I understand you have important things to say about liberal democracy. <laughs> okay, I thank you for the invitation. Thank you, Tracy. You, you okay. take care. Okay, bye-bye. Uh, bye. All right, uh, that was one of the organizers of the Women's March um, and many other marches. Um, yeah, I mean, I was actually shocked. Now, I, I, I guess it was WTAE, my my old uh, employer, that, that broke this story. Um, I'm not sure. My guess would be it's Bob Mayo. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I first saw it uh, in the Washington Post. And I thought, wow. And the Post has this big, big story. And then I went, I, I checked the Post-Gazette this morning, and it wasn't in the first section. It wasn't on the front page. Um, and I found it. Next to the TV listings, which is hardly, you know, great placement. And um, it's odd, isn't it, the perception? This is a huge story nationally. And Tracy might be right because they're misreading it. They're seeing it as, oh, the Pittsburgh police are saying these guys might be in the street. We've got to get our riot gear and clamp down. That's really not my sense of it at all, at all. Um, so the headline in the, in the Washington Post is Pittsburgh police preparing riot gear for large scale protest if Trump fires Mueller. So somebody reading that comes away with riots, Pittsburgh, 
Mueller, uh, you know, and it just seems like all hell will break loose. I think in some respects, yes, all hell will break loose. But, um, uh, so, that's it. And, uh, I don't know. Little Tony, right? It was always a good time when Uncle Dougie would interview Bruno. Funny stuff and great radio. Yeah, he was on, he, he come on Doug's show a lot. Um, yeah, he was just a wonderful guy. So, so quick to laugh. Nice guy. Scott says, I sent my last email as though it was a, thought it was a text. No greeting, no indication who it was from. Bad form. What was it? I didn't even see it. Scott. <laughs> I don't even, I didn't even see it. So, I don't, oh, I see. Uh, oh, you're responding to the Barbara Bush, the story about Barbara Bush. Um, uh that uh, David Shribman, the editor of the PG, uh, wrote about yesterday, which I just thought was the funniest thing I ever heard, how he had held, uh, she had held her his baby uh, for a picture. And uh, he and his wife later were concerned that the picture hadn't really taken because it, it turned out to be the last frame on their film back in the day. And so they went back to Mrs. Bush about an hour later and asked if she would hold their baby. And she, he said, backed away <laughs> and barked. I already held that baby. And that was the end of that. Um, it's a great, it's just a great story. Uh, Scott also says, I have no feelings of admiration for Barbara Bush whatsoever. I am at best indifferent. Okay. That's fine. I don't, yeah, okay. I just don't. I remember, you know, yesterday I was trying to remember the quote that so upset me. There were two quotes. It was the one about uh, the the refugees from New Orleans uh, that were sheltered in Houston having, uh, you know, having it better than maybe they'd had it in some time. And then there was the one, and <clears throat> again, I'm not clear what the... Um, I'm not clear what the, what am I trying to say, uh, what the, what she was referring to, but it was obviously some, you know, pretty big story, and she was asked about it, and she had said, I'm not going to trouble my beautiful mind about that, and it, it was about human beings. Maybe it was the same New Orleans thing. I I don't know, but I found it so... <clears throat> cold <clears throat> one of the things about Barbara Bush that anybody I guess who knew her would tell you that she was just said what was on her mind she was direct there wasn't a lot of editing going on in her head um, and in that regard she reminds me of my mother and believe me in my family we tell jokes where we just laugh and laugh and laugh not jokes stories of things my my mother has said uh, to either one of us or to other people that are just so, I mean, anyone else would take great offense. You know, it's like, what? She said, she said that? Because my mom, too, just <laughs> says what's on her mind, <laughs> unfiltered. And knowing, you know, loving her, knowing her, we we don't take offense. Uh, we we it's all the more reason to sort of love that aspect of her. So I just want to say that for the Bush uh, children, uh, they might look at these remarks she has made and you know shake their head and roll their eyes and start laughing because that's mom. Oh boy. And that it doesn't really show her real heart or something. I don't know. I I, I just. I'm sick of, I'm just sick of everybody always imagining the worst about everybody or reducing a 92-year-old person's life to a few instances. I mean, I, 
I, I just, you know, the older I get, the more clear it is that we are such imperfect vessels. Uh, the best of us aren't as wonderful as we think. The worst of us, in generally, aren't as totally without any redeeming value. Um, and I, I just wish that we could all be a little more expansive and generous of spirit. Um, that's all. And I, you know, I have no, yeah, I might be like Scott. I'm at best indifferent. I mean, I don't have strong feelings either way about her. I, uh, I know how important she was to her own family and, uh, how she was generally seen. My understanding is of the White House staff, the uh, domestic staff in the White House, the ones that stay uh, when the president leaves and, and then are there for the next president and his family and they're there for the next, that those people loved her and said that she was uh, their favorite that she treated them like family, that she was just very warm and open. You know, so what, what the hell do we know about a person? The picture we get often in public life is not the full picture. It's just like any anybody who has a sense that they know me from just the show doesn't know me. Um, as much as I'm given to share all kinds of stuff, there's stuff I don't. People are complicated. Let's, let's, and it's not like we have to take sides all the time, do we? You know, so if somebody is a Republican matriarch, what, we have to not like her? I mean, I, 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 I don't know. It's just not where I am. And, you know, the, 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 the month I took off to get away from the, the ugliness of our uh, discourse, um, I really told myself that I was going to try to pull back a bit. Doesn't mean I'm closing my eyes. It just means I'm, I'm, I really want to try to not go there right away to, you know, a partisan posture all the time. I just can't. And I don't think it benefits any of us. There was another cute story actually told by... Um, a Pittsburgh photographer who I I know not well but know in passing uh, I think his name's Ken Love um, not sure about that first name I think it's Ken Love and uh, he wrote a, a a letter to the editor um, today in which he recounted a story where he had once been I think it was a WQED crew who were at the White House uh, filming some thing. Um, some maybe documentary of some sort, and uh, he was in the found himself in the Lincoln bedroom uh, with a, setting up for an interview with uh, Barbara Bush, and he said he was just blown away by being in the Lincoln bedroom because there's this uh, you know uh, one of the original copies of the Gettysburg Address on the wall, and he he was reading it and just being you know, just trying to take in the import of being in that space. And he said, um, the Bush's dog, Millie, comes bounding in, followed uh, closely by Barbara Bush, who um, who says, um, are my wrinkles going to show up on the video? And one of the people assured her, no, we've got really great lights. And Ken was more honest. And he said, yeah, you know, a little bit. Well, maybe minimize them a little bit. And she clearly took to him because of his, again, honesty, because he was like direct. And um, she sat down on the bed, on Lincoln's bed, and said, do you know this is made out of horsehair? The mattress is made out of horsehair? 
and she motions to Ken Love or pats the mattress like come here and sit down next to me on the bed and he was like what and uh, he he looked at the secret service guy and the secret service guy you know go ahead so he sits down next to Barbara Bush on on Lincoln's bed and she says let's bounce and starts bouncing now you know I don't know Okay, I'm just saying that. That doesn't mean she didn't say that awful thing about why can't I make my beautiful mind. I'm just saying, people, come on. We're complicated. Most of us, 99% of us are made up of good instincts and impulses and bad, bad, bad ones. And when somebody's life places them in the public eye, we think we know them and we judge them. God knows I do. I mean, I have strong opinions about, wow, I hate her. I love him. I don't know her. I don't know him. You know, we all do that, right? But let's acknowledge we don't know. Where did I read somewhere that she took in some man, maybe with some kind of developmental disability in her life, who was essentially made part of the family, and who, when he died, the bushes took care of everything and scattered his ashes over their where her gravesite will be and next to the daughter they buried that he was that made that much a part of the family nobody ever said boo about that or about him you know you don't know the private um i all i'm saying is god i i wish we could be nicer to each other <laughs> i'm sorry let me quote Rodney King. Can't we all just get along? We have a call. Hey, caller. Hi. Hey, Lynn. It's Mike in D.C. Hi, Mike. Um, so if you drive your car for a living or drive it a lot, you're more likely to be in a bunch of, you're more likely to be in a car accident just because you're in your car more often. Right. So if you speak for a living <laughs> or if you're the spouse of, the president, right. you speak more than in public than the regular population. And your words you are, are captured. To have yeah. More, yeah. Your words are captured. Flubs. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, and you're just bound to have more flubs. And mm. things that you say inartfully or just things that are wrong. Yeah. And you can say how horrible she is with doing all those things. I'm no fan of her, but think of all of the things she's had to say when she was married to that man in public. Mm -hmm. Can you add those up to and give me a percentage of the time she said something that seemed unkind or inartful? Mm -hmm. Or if you say one wrong thing, you're dead. You're out of here. You're dead to us. Well, you know, there are so many people now who that's their that's the way they calculate a person's value. If they're offended by one thing, mightily offended, as I have been by things she has said, that they write that person off. They are bad people. And it's just so that's not right. And I have advice for those people. Put a helmet on because life is hard and you're going to have to deal with people who say things you don't like all the time. Yeah. But, again, can we add up all of her things and, and do it in comparison to that? And can we also judge people by their actions? Like you're talking about how kind she was? Yes. And and I, not just by what they say? Right. I wish I knew more about that story, but... Um... Uh, the person who told it said whenever I bumped into anybody who said, you know, oh, yes, I'm very good friends with the Bushes, uh, this person would say, oh, so then you know Bob or whatever the guy's name was. And she said if they clearly didn't know Bob, she would immediately know they were not good friends of the, of the Bushes, that he was that much a part of the family but not mentioned in the public sphere. So, I don't, yeah. Come on, guys. Thank and you. And it's just tribalism gone amok. 
It is. You know, she's not in my tribe, so right. anything she says is bad. Right. You know, and if right. if if one of our first ladies in our tribe said something inartful or that sounded cruel, we would run to her defense. Yeah, we make excuses. I mean, let's acknowledge right. that. Please. So, thank you. I, sure. pr- I appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Bye. 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 Um... Okay, all that said, I I came upon something, a few things today that really upset me, <laughs> and it's things people said that they will regret because it's going to have consequences. Um, the first story is uh, from the Washington Post, and it is about a you'll be shocked to know, a fraternity (laughs) at Syracuse, okay? And uh, this is not, I guess, a social fraternity. It's an engineering fraternity. So I guess people who are majoring in engineering. And um, there's a video that has surfaced. That is so, I watched it this morning, uh, it was about six minutes long, and it was the most disgusting thing that I have witnessed in a long time. And more than disgusting, it was the most dispiriting thing. It, it makes you fear because you're looking at a bunch of young men overwhelmingly white I see some that look Asian or in the picture every once in a while and they are engaged I you know it, it makes me wonder about men <laughs> and uh they are engaged in the most disgusting behavior, which they find amusing. They're laughing and yucking it up. Uh, it's sexual. It's, I, I, I don't know how to even, um, I don't know. The thing that has upset most people about it when I heard about it nobody said anything about the ridiculous sexual stuff about how one guy having to kneel before another and pretend uh, they were uh, fellating him or another instance where a guy is uh, is uh, simulating uh, anal sex with a with another there's a lot of, you know, a lot of, yeah, humping uh, walls and uh, each other and hooting. And I guess this was some kind of a, um, <laughs> this was a ritual that had to do with, um, well, here's where when somebody has to kneel, one of them is kneeling before another. This is where he pretends to fillet him and then he is told that he has to recite the oath and the oath is um, technically I'm not is fuck the n-word fuck ends fuck another racial slur for Hispanics. And they're all hooting and hollering, and then somehow they go back to it, and he repeats, I solemnly swear to always have hatred in my heart for the N-word, for the SPICSs, and most importantly, I believe he says, 
for kikes. A slur for Jews. Hoot, holler, holler, hoot. I mean, what the hell? What? I mean, I I don't even, I mean, it makes me want to cry. We like to say that these young people are our future. Well, we like to say that we just have to wait for these older generations to die off and we'll be in a better place free, devoid of these despicable and lethal prejudices that have resulted, this kind of taught hatred results in death far too often. So, yeah, we all shocked to hear the fraternity has been suspended. Uh, The president of Syracuse says extremely troubled, disturbing conduct, extremely racist, anti-Semitic, homophobic, sexist, hostile to people with disabilities. I mean, they didn't miss a beat. And the, oh, the thing seemed to break up uh, when uh, they were told to get in the fucking showers. Which actually, in the context, was a Holocaust reference to the gassing of Jews. Now, these are the future engineers of, uh, of America. Uh, Needless to say, the student body is up in arms. But um, I, the fact, the existence of this, and the fact that we only know it because somebody in that room, one of the engineers, didn't agree with what was going on, wanted to show the rest of us. Thank God for that person. But this is a fraternity that chances are a lot of engineers you may know belong to because it's the oldest, largest, and foremost fraternity for engineers. And I sure hope any engineer who belongs to this fraternity speaks out doesn't you know leaves i don't i i just okay so i saw that and to say that it didn't exactly um didn't exactly make my day but then i pick up the new york times guys and you know it is not my desire to depress you. It's quite the opposite. You know that I am resolved now to make this a nicer, kinder, whatever kind of a program. But I do traffic in news. And the news (coughs) is often dispiriting. And I am increasingly seeing these stories of hate. Um, so here's, I, I finish looking at this Syracuse tape, and then I see this, that the equivalent of the Grammy Awards <clears throat> in Germany happened the other day, on, the, on April 12th, actually, so about a week ago. And uh, one of the groups that won um, was awarded for a an album that has sold like hotcakes. It's the best-selling um, album of its genre, which is rap. 
and um, it has all these unbelievable anti-Semitic lyrics <laughs> just right out there talking about Auschwitz prisoners here's another there's another line make another Holocaust show up with a Molotov okay fine that won a Grammy <coughs> called an Echo Award in uh, in Germany and I must say that when this album won, there was an immediate uh, reaction from a lot of other musicians, uh, also from essentially the uh, Secretary of State of Germany, the foreign minister, who uh, said it was simply disgusting and noted that the award was given out on April 12th, which just happens to be Holocaust Remembrance Day. Um, one of the other uh, music videos for this group is a, called Apocalypse, and it shows a banker in a London office tower controlling all the evil forces of the world and of course he's depicted as a Jew star of David on his ring prominently shown there was also news out of Germany the other day of an <clears throat> an Arab Israeli uh, so this is somebody who holds Israeli citizenship who is not a Jew who is Arab and he's in Germany, and he was wanting to show a Jewish friend that this increasing fear that Jews are feeling there is absurd and that nothing can happen. This is bullshit. And so the Arab Israeli, not a Jew, put on a yarmulke, a skull cap, which more observant Jewish men wear. And he just went walking with his friend in um, a very nice part of uh, Berlin, upscale. They were physically attacked by uh, people screaming at them uh, anti-Jewish remarks. So, interesting that this was a guy who wasn't even a Jew, who was in fact an Arab, trying to show a Jewish friend <clears throat> that the Jews are a little too sensitive about this stuff. Nothing's going to happen. Look, I'll put on a skull cap. I'll show you. Nothing happens. Uh, Angela Merkel immediately uh, had to um, uh, make a statement about that saying that we will continue to fight anti-semitism relentlessly and with resolve the fact of the matter is with just a few holocaust survivors left it is just coming up gangbusters anti-semitic attacks incidents in berlin last year were up 60 percent from 2016. Six zero percent. Okay, which brings me to closer to home, Pittsburgh. Um, <clears throat> So, you know, there are um, organizations that track uh, hate crimes here in the United States. What would you think would be uh, the religious group most in danger of, of suffering um, a, an attack of any sort, you know, verbal, uh, physical, whatever what religious group in this country in 2018 well I'll tell you what I'd say I'd say Muslims I would say if you're a Muslim God 
it's a scary time to be in a headscarf walking down the street because you do get abused. Sometimes you get killed, right, in America. <clears throat> Unbelievably, it turns out that last year Jews were subject to 54% of religiously motivated hate crimes. So it's not Muslims, it's Jews. The greatest increase in religious related uh, religious motivated hate crimes is Muslims. So they are seeing a uh, a big upturn, but the usual is mostly these attacks come at Jews. So in the la from uh, 2015 to 2016, Muslims were the victims of 25% of religiously motivated crimes. Uh, Jews, 54%, as I said. Um, I I often uh, feel like on this program and what has been my program for 30 plus years that I have felt like the canary in the coal mine because after 9-11 I remember that years and years before I had done whole hours talking about the threat of terrorism coming to our shores and I had talked about this guy Osama bin Laden and his organization because this information was out there and because I had three hours a day to fill I read prodigiously there were warnings coming from people who were in the know people who should have been listened to and their warnings were frightening and I remember heatedly hotly telling my audience guys listen to this we're not we're not and that, you know and nothing was done nothing was done and it wasn't just that it's if you really follow news nothing much should take you by complete surprise so that 9/11 shouldn't have taken shouldn't have taken us by complete surprise and I just hope to hell that what I am seeing this incredible buildup globally of anti-semitism I I hope to hell I'm not seeing the beginnings like I have in the past of something that that we should be paying attention to I'll tell you who's paying attention to it. Jews are. Muslims are. And in that regard, Jews and Muslims in this country have a bond. And lest you think I'm just saying that, let me share with you a story. When you go to church, do you have, uh, do you have police outside your doors? On Sundays? I'm asking because when Jews go to the synagogue, there are often police. And that is because there are threats. Okay. So the Jewish uh, community hired, um, I think about two years ago, a former FBI official guy named Brad Orsini and he was hired to instruct the Jewish community organizations our buildings you know like the JCC WBA, all this stuff as to preparedness how to be smart about securing um, our buildings our synagogues and I read recently in a Jewish local publication 
that a Muslim, the Muslim Association of Greater Pittsburgh, approached this same guy and asked if they could have training. And since then, the Jewish community has loaned him out for training. The first active shooter situational awareness training happened uh, last month at a mosque. And all of this is Jews and Muslims actually coming together. The Jewish community here is not the, the is not charging the Muslim community for uh, using our security guy because we see it as <laughs> we're in this together. Orsini says, the guy, the FBI guy, he says, so what we're doing is our effort to secure the Jewish community, we are taking that blueprint and we are now putting it in the Muslim community. And so the, I'm just telling you, okay? So it's not just, you know, regular religious organizational activities that are taking place <clears throat> in mosques in this city and synagogues in this city. It is stuff like this. Um, and it's not done because Muslims and Jews are a bunch of, you know, snowflakes. It's because Muslim and Jews see what is happening. And understandably are concerned. And believe me, the FBI guy doesn't think it's unwarranted. So I'm just saying, let's not pretend that we don't know what's happening, okay? Because it is happening. And I think I have noted in the past that the huge uptick in anti-Semitism in Europe, um, I think, can be laid mostly at the feet of the European left. And so Jew hate doesn't know right, left. I mean, there's not some division there. They're in agreement on both the edges. And it is for the left and the right that is not all the way there to try to correct that. And I'll tell you, the left ain't doing a hell of a job about it here either. Uh, Chris writes, thanks for taking the high road when it comes to the death of Barbara Bush. Now is the time to, now is not the time to rake her over the coal. Certainly not. She was not elected to any position. No. She's just somebody who found herself in an unblinking public eye. And there ain't anybody who stands up to that without sticking their foot in their mouth. Believe me, I know. Okay? Believe me, I know. And uh, Chris goes on to say, did you hear the story George W. told about her? He went to see her when she was last in the hospital, and the doctor came in, and when he was there, Barbara said to the doctor, Do you want to know why George is like he is? I have to tell you, I smoked and drank while I was pregnant with him. Yeah, I bet she did. And she's saying that's what made him like he is. <laughs> uh... All right, guys. God, I'm going to try to be, look for happier stuff tomorrow, but 
let's not be ostriches. Nothing against ostriches, but you know, using it metaphorically. Let's be wide-eyed about trends and where those trends can lead because we know our history. Let's. Let's all be canaries. I seem to be in some kind of a bird thing. At any rate, see you tomorrow. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.